Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bald Move TV podcast. We're the officially unofficial podcast for everything television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And we're going to be talking about the season premiere of uh, season two of Barry, the HBO comedy, hilarious side-splitting comedy about an assassin, the people he kills, and the mental and emotional anguish that him and those around him suffer as a consequence. You know, I think you're setting up this juxtaposition between comedy and drama, but that's kind of Barry in a nutshell, yes, right? It like, is. It's yes, so, it is. Yes, it is. This show is so unique in its tone. Mm-hmm. And, like... I look at things even like Breaking Bad, where they kind of seamlessly blended different, you know, tonal things. Like, very funny at times, but also uh-huh. very serious and very dark. Um, this show seems to do that seamlessly, in even in a single scene. It will take a scene from hilariously comic to incredibly dark and emotionally disturbing uh, in the blink of an eye, and somehow it holds together. You are really taking my introduction and running with it, sir. Uh, because also, as soon as we get done talking about Barry, we're going to have Cecily <laughs> oh, coming to the studio. I'm just so excited. <laughs> I know. I can tell. Uh, we're going to have Ced- Cis- yeah, Cecily come into the studio. We're going to talk about uh, American Gods, this this week's episode of that. So uh, let's just piggyback onto your um, um, r- rant. It's not a rant if it's a no, praise. No, it's, it's uh, your raves. It's your a accolades. Rave. Your raves on, on Barry. Um yeah, took, I agree. took some Molly and I watched Barry. I agree. I took. I was prepared to have the hottest of takes because you know last year we didn't really watch this quote unquote professionally. We just covered it in like passing. I and, watched it very unprofessionally. Yeah, I watched it very unprofessionally. Completely nude. Completely nude. Completely. Well, I mean that's how head to toe. That's how Walter White cooks meth, and he's extremely <laughs> professional. I mean, it's all about your bearing, and uh, it's true. Not not what clothes you do or do not wear. But I had the hottest to take because I, I remember leaving last season thinking that that time jump was on the order of years instead of weeks. And um and like and when it w- was clear that this is just they're going to be back in the exact same workshop and all that, I'm like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. And I rewatched the last season's finale. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, and, and I think the only reason I got that in my head is there's a shot of him looking at this opening thing that he's in. And it's a very nice professionally produced poster of him and his girlfriend in this play. And I guess I thought it was a Hollywood production just because the poster looks so good. Yeah, it turns out uh, print technology is pretty good now. It turns out that if you have a classroom full of artsy-fartsy type yeah. of MacBooks and student copies of Photoshop and 15 bucks at fucking Staples, you can make professional posters. Oh, yeah. Uh, and things of that nature. So I just I just made a completely unwarranted assumption. And uh, this wasn't... Because like, I was about to call like a Better Call Saul-style bullshit on how they just reset Barry. Mm-hmm. Um, they... Don't they don't they they in, in fact they lean in on um, the formula of season one in somewhat surprising fashion like by the end of this episode um, it's essentially late game season one of Barry again yeah for sure uh, I don't know if that's like uh, if, 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 uh, if that feels scary and unsustainable to me if I was a showrunner but maybe it's thrilling and liberating and they're going to take it to all new fucking heights I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that's a good way to challenge yourself as a writer, <laughs> is to, yeah. to throw yourself, you know, right in to where you yeah. left off and not take those shortcuts to sort of reset and get back to the comfortable stuff. But yeah. keep pushing forward. So I don't know, like I feel like our just our ranting and ra- or our accolades and our raves are like 
recommendation enough if you guys if, if people missed out on barry i mean it's a very easy it's a quick and easy thing to catch up on the episodes are only 30 minutes mm-hmm. uh they're very funny they star bill Hader as the um eponymous uh barry who is the assassin for hire it stars steve steven root a co-star steven root as his handler slash manager um it has a very good performance by ha- uh, henry winkler <laughs> as the washed up actor slash drama coach that's doing the seedy kind of la actors workshop studio uh and it's just it's just it's just really funny and and really bleak and it can go it's 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 a master of the tonal shifts Um, yeah and i i I think like it's important to point out that this is co-written by and co-created, I think, by the guy who made Silicon Valley, and yeah. it shows like yeah. you can feel Silicon Valley DNA in this show as well. Yeah. But this tends to, I think, deal with a lot of like heavy material in more down-to-earth ways mm-hmm. uh, at times. Like its comedy is still very silly um, and and sort of very over the top in places. Yeah. But when it gets serious, it gets really fucking serious. Well, yeah. I mean, Silicon Valley is like, when they get serious, it's about Richard coming to the realization that he's a fucking man-child, a yeah. man-baby, and he's acted like a man-baby, and he has to say sorry. It's kind of that. But right. this is like, uh, maybe Barry's a like, psychopath. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe, like, what is his damage? <laughs> what is his child? Like, what, why, how did... I mean, uh, what what do you do about the horrors of war? Like that stuff comes up in this comedy, and you know you've yeah. there, uh, you know, Mash found a way to make the Korean War um, a pretty funny and entertaining comedy. It's it's possible, but the degree of difficulty to um, balance the the lightness and the, the, the truly absurd yeah. uh, style of comedy that Bill Hader and, and team are serving up with the like really interesting thing it asks you to to ponder about you know even geopolitical things um i think is is really interesting i do have a couple of concerns that we can talk about at the back end but um yeah i guess do we want to talk spoilers i suppose sure. we should say um you know because so like uh if, if if you haven't made up your mind about watching it or if you haven't caught up yet please t- turn off your ears fast forward <laughs> to the american god notes or turn off the podcast whatever whatever you want to do um so last week, year, Barry had staved off the suspicions of this very, um, I forget her name, um, Henry Winkler's girlfriend, the police detective. Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, it, it takes, he fins off her suspicions like all season long. Is it like Janice or something? Janice, that's what it is, okay. Janice. Because I, I, I was like, what does he say when he's like, my, my, it's, life's not li- worth living without Janice. Um, he fins it off all season long. He finally, at the very end of the season, gets clear, official clear of uh, police suspicion. Um, they're able to hang a bunch of these deaths that Barry was going to be responsible for on, like, gang, rival gang activity. And the future looked very secure. Barry's like, he kicked Stephen Root to the curb, uh, said he's never going to commit a crime again. And then he goes on vacation with his drama coach and his girlfriend and Janice. And there's a little slip about a stage name, which completely blows the suspicions wide open again. And he's forced to kill her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The result on this season is we come back. It's about two weeks later. I feel like um, it's the eve of their production of this uh, newsroom comedy romp thing that they're they're the they play. And the only one that wants a show to go on is Barry. Uh, the 
the director hasn't shown up in two weeks because he's mourning Janice. All the students are bummed because they're snowflakes. Uh, <laughs> they're actually human people with empathy and emotion. Right. They're not psychopaths. Yeah, they're not psychopaths. And that's 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 the stakes. That's the stakes. Um, yeah, certainly on the Barry side. There's there are other subplots. The the big subplot because I I thought one of the standouts last year is uh, Noho. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he solved his problems last year by essentially jettisoning his psychopathic uh, relative, um, played by Remus from <laughs> Boardwalk Empire, uh. and uh, got into a very cozy relationship with a Colombian drug lord that is kind of like got all this new agey, uh, you know, you're okay, I'm okay management technique. Mm-hmm. And that suits Noho like a because like Noho is this ruthless gangster, but he doesn't really want to be. He wants to <laughs> yeah. be kind of funny, happy go lucky guy. Yeah, I just think he wants to have fun and party and yeah, just enjoy things. And then a rival Asian gang member shows up to promise to add heroin to their drug dealing stew and drug shipping stew. And uh, you know Noho's best friend now is. Still a drug dealer, still all about the money, and uh, there's some there's some there's some really funny friction there. Mm-hmm. So there's multiple forces um, pulling Barry back into this world. Um, there's the fact that uh, Janice's partner, uh, who's dealing with a lot of shit himself, uh, has got a tip that's going to connect him back to Barry. Um, and you know, Noho also is calling in a favor, not a favor, a demand that uh, Barry kill this uh, this other this new rival gangster. Um, so that's, that's kind of the setup for this episode. Uh, I'm trying to think, I felt like this was not a Sterling standout, uh, Barry episode. This is just, a, this felt like the, the season opener that we have to get things back on the right track. We have huh, to get okay. back into the Barry formula. Um, what, and so it's like, yeah, it was funny and droll, but not as funny as, as, as last year's average. And I think it's a little bit more heavy lifting. Um, what do you think? Hmm. Uh, honestly, like maybe it's just being away from the show for a year or whatever, but mm-hmm. I felt like they maybe started off a little sillier than, uh, Barry started off. Yeah. Cause they had the fake hit where the, the fake hit and all like Noho is heavily featured in this episode. Uh-huh. Like he's kind of a main character now. So yeah. Uh, everything revolving around NoHo is comedy, mm-hmm. uh, for, for with a rare exception. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's very over the top, but it's it's really funny. I I found myself really enjoying the NoHo scenes for the comedy. No one, that, uh, but it was very silly. That is it. Are the, is she Laotian? Uh, uh, what what is the the exact nationality of this gangster? I keep on saying Asian because I forgot whether it's Vietnamese. Korea. I think it's Laotian. Shit, I don't remember. Um, or maybe it's can't. I don't know. Um, she when she puts a knife through her hand, mm-hmm. and then the way that's played All is the like just, laughing. Yeah, everyone laughing and like Noho increasingly uncomfortable with the laughter. Like, is very very funny. <laughs> I mean, very him funny. showing up in the the athletic store with the fucking wig yeah. and the purple shirt. Like, I yeah, it, it just cracked me up seeing Noho in the wig, with the ladies' uh, pants. <laughs> right? And he's just like, oh shit. But leading uh, up to that, the um, the English accent, that's a weird bit, man. That's like a recycled Friends from 20 years ago. Ross going in and affecting yeah, an yeah, accent. Yeah, and... yeah I, I, some of that stuff. Not every bit of comedy landed. No. Um, the, the I don't know. No, no ho in most of this worked for me. And then like the stuff they were doing drama-wise, I felt worked 
pretty well. Like that scene where, you know, uh, Barry says essentially his story of killing his first person. Persons. And, yeah, persons. And he he's telling the story. We see what's going on in his head. And they're also ridiculously at, enacting it on the stage right. while he's telling a story. Right. And we see the disparity between what a normal person would assume his reaction to it would be and the reaction that he actually had with his buddies in wartime, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was like a celebratory thing versus being, you know, the, it, it phased in any way. Like, right. Barry completely was unfazed by this. He was more like, fuck yeah, I'm awesome. I just killed three people from 700 yards or whatever. See, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether Barry... I'm trying to figure out what Barry's damage is because at the the first... I could. I thought maybe he was, himself wasn't sure how he would feel, and when his buddies were like, "Fuck yeah, you killed that guy from oh my god, I can't believe you're like a stone cold killer," um, yeah, because like I I don't know. I mean, I I feel like this throws a lot of people. Um, that but it turns out if you give men and women the mission to kill other human beings, uh, they tend to develop like a, a pretty black humor around it as a defense mechanism to keep themselves. I think. Uh, from going crazy yeah. because this is kind of outside the the normal human envelope of of existence, um, and and like you know so like there's like all these like uh, you see in the internet like you know gun cam footage of some dude strafing and they're like making jokes about chunky salsa and this that and the other, um, and people are like oh my god it's it's what 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 a bunch of monsters and I'm on, I'm always like well this is why you don't engage in war lightly. Because it really does, hor- you, you're, you're catering horrific. You're, you're asking for horrific things to be done in, in your name, and that's for like a truly just war. So the contrast between like how these actors thought like taking a first life would be, yeah. Um, because like they, they like can't couldn't even comprehend that. Uh, like like the, his his spotter was like fuck calling it in, just take the shot, you know. Whereas they're like, oh, it's like you know they're wanting to confirm it. And they're, they're assuming that everything's done like. Like out of a Lord of the Rings movie, like everything's like super morally upright, and there's no moral ambig- <laughs> ambiguity, and yeah. th- the fact that it's like none of that's true. Like, where do you back up and be like, oh no, 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 it's not like that? And how do you explain that? I, how does Barry come clean about who he is and keep the life that that he's that he's leading? Um, yeah, no, it's a it's a really good question, and it's one that he keeps digging himself deeper into because he gets you know, two steps down that road, which is actually like a 400 step road. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and he gets congratulated for those two steps, uh, except he doesn't get chastised for the other 398 that he's not taking because he realizes like, Oh, this is kind of fucked up. And if I tell these right. people, they're going to think I'm fucked up and I don't want them to think I'm fucked up. So I'll just keep hiding it. Like he, he, it's funny to me that he gets praised for this reveal when it's not actually much of a reveal at all. He all he did is re- reveal sort of the the time and place mm-hmm. of of his first kill, not like how it made him feel, nothing about that. He mm-hmm. he simply let them believe what they wanted to believe. So I I don't know. I thought that scene was really really good. Well, especially since Bill Hader's so nuanced, because when he's standing there and he's not reacting, mm-hmm. he could be deeply traumatized. Uh huh. He could be like he could be um, a sociopath that's aware that what he's about to say, the truth, would be unpalatable to these people. Um, but, 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 and 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 willing to let them like put their own experiences on it. Like I, I'm honestly not really sure. I always look to see with Barry 
Like, again, what is his damage? Like, are these things that, like, people... He's basically a good guy that's a deadly shot, and that led him to more and more success and death, and then he got paired with Steven Root, who clearly has, like, an abusive, oh, yeah. um, almost brainwashing-type relationship with him. And, and then when I start thinking about the impacts, like, a lot of the people in the show are pretty bad people. Uh, like, Henry Winkler's character, for example, he's moaning... He's... he's um, he is mourning the death of Janice, but uh, his students, like Barry, kind of bullies everyone in the show going on, which is, I think, something that he, his own ethos would um, like support. And then he shows up the night of, and everyone's excited, but he just shows up to give a speech about, I was not present for any of those rehearsals. I can't in good conscience let my name be attached to this performance. Mm. I'm canceling the show, and I'm not giving any of your money back. <laughs> and like all this crazy shit. And then Barry's girlfriend is kind of terrible in a like like as if if Barry just did this emotionally devastating thing and she's like I'm gonna be there for you but not now because I have to have dinner with my agent and not too early tomorrow because I have yoga and I you know might drink too much tonight. like that's not what Barry needs right <laughs> or wants sure so like there's these there's this these Russian nested dolls of emotional situations where I think wow Barry is a reprehensible person or these people would view him as reprehensible. I don't know how I feel about him lying to them, but then they're also not giving him their full attention and love and acceptance either. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, a more serious version of Always Sunny where everyone's kind of terrible and you don't really... But I do care for Barry. I do care for Barry. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think a testament to the writing and the acting that you care. Because like, he's not... He's doing a lot of really awful fucking things. I mean, I go back to last season where he murders his friend who's realized too late into the conversation that he's not talking to a person that has the moral and ethical framework that he does. He's talking to a person that now doesn't want to go to jail and 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 meet the uh, yeah. meet any of the consequences for his actions. And now he's begging for his life. What a fucking scene. That's <laughs> yeah. something that would yeah, be that's a great scene. That would be something that would be uh, up there in any scene that you see with Breaking Bad, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's in this fucking weird ass comedy. Yeah, or any like serious gangster film or like yeah, that that is a great scene. Uh I honestly felt like this was a really strong scene in a season opener as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wonder if they're going to because like okay. So here's my this is the thing that I I guess I'm 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 tiptoeing about worrying about is I thought season one of um, I thought I thought the first few seasons of um, Silicon Valley, particularly the first season, was mm-hmm. really amazing. Yeah, and then increasingly Silicon Valley is hamstrung by the idea that it can't grow out of what it is, which are these sleazeball, um, dirt dirt bag dude bro developers that are always getting screwed over by the bigger guy, like they if if the show ever grows out of that, what is the show even? And I feel like yeah. this. I feel like there's an er, there's a kind of a restrictive feeling in this situation too, where this is always going to be Barry trying to stay one step ahead of the cops, trying to trying to to um, tie off neatly his old death with ever more elaborate hits and entanglement situations, and where can it go from from here? Um, right. But that's like literally borrowing trouble. It's me worrying uh-huh. that this excellent <laughs> show can't continue to be to be excellent. Yeah, um, I'll enjoy it while it's excellent, and you know, if it ceases to be excellent, then we'll, yeah. we'll call it like we see it. But so far, still excellent. I thought. 
Yeah, I did too. Um, anything else we want to talk? Uh, about? Yeah, let's let's talk about the the idea that they're sort of tap dancing around the fate of Janice. You think so? in this opening in this opening thing? Yeah, I mean, if you watch the the after yeah, uh, yeah. show thing, Bill they, haters, everyone saying is Janice. They dead? essentially say that. Yeah, they're like, oh, it was a, it was interesting. The possibilities that opens for characters to sort of just be with the characters and not really know what happened to Janice. Although as an audience member, I immediately i already knew what happened to janice right she's yeah. dead yeah she has to be it's been yeah two barry weeks. killed her even if he just kneecapped her and stashed her in a cave so like yeah. the only thing that would possibly make sense is him saying uh getting to drop on janice telling her to take a passport and ten thousand dollars and board this plane and go into a third world country and never come back or i'll kill you uh and then firing three shots for no one's benefit three uh-huh. silent shots for no one's benefit Right, and coming to bed and saying, "Never going to commit another crime again." No, like, he's done. He's done a bad, a very bad thing out there. Otherwise, he wouldn't come back to bed and say that. The other thing is, it's like so. I don't know how long it's been, but again, I feel like it was established at least a week, maybe two weeks. However long it takes to, because there was a a time lapse in in the end of season one too. Like we flash forward a couple weeks ahead from the immediate action to the retreat. And then oh yeah, yeah. It's been they they said it's been a couple weeks since then, mm-hmm. and. I just think that if, like, the other explanation is he kills her and then drags her out her body out in the wood, doesn't bury her, just leaves her out there to, to and she's not completely dead, she'd be dead after two weeks of exposure. Sure. Uh, and also, Barry wouldn't do that. Barry's not going to No, he's not going to leave a loose end. In the middle of the dark, drag him out in the woods and be like, oh, I'm just assuming this is all going to... Bare minimum, he's no. going to make sure she's dead. So, yeah, she's, she's fucking dead. Yeah. Now... I think maybe there's some interest in the characters not knowing this, um, and and they can sort of play with that. Um, I I wonder what they're going to do with Henry Winkler's character going forward. Is he still going to be? Because he seemed to have you know his mind changed at the end of this by Barry. He definitely did uh, when Barry revealed you know about his first kill. Uh, that got Henry Winkler back on board with these classes, but I I don't think he's going to stop his obsession with trying to find Janice. Hmm. So, so where, where can that possibly lead? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, like the possibilities are open. I just don't see like the avenues that are super interesting that they're talking about as being, I mean, I super can see this detective. Cause like the natural thing to do, go back to Henry Winkler and start investigating Barry. And like, what's the reaction he's going to have? If he's like, yo, I think that not only is Barry involved with the death of your student last year, but also the death of your girlfriend. And here's the compelling evidence. And could he have him like tr- try and get a confession out of him through class? Yeah, like, can you imagine like, how fun it'd be to see Henry Winkler wearing a wire and trying to get Barry to commit to killing like to right or, or reenact like a, a desperate moment on stage right like yeah like he did with his first kill like right yeah that th- maybe there's some possibility around that so like but yeah it's hard to see how and the other thing is like this this 30 minute episodes are nice because i i like it in, yeah. a, in a normal drama be like jesus how you stretch how you how are you going to make a meal out of this for eight hours but mm-hmm. three hours and 45 minutes like that's a movie and a half like i, I think you could probably got a movie and a half worth of those kind of shenanigans and hijinks. Um, Especially when you got Noho propping up the other half of this. Because yes. he's going to be a significant player this season. Well, it's funny because like uh, he's now being pinched. Um, yeah. In very much like... I, I my, my biggest fear, I guess, would be at the end of this season... Because Noho is essentially playing the Steven Root 
character where he's like, oh, you got to you. He's the engine that's keeping Barry killing people. Yeah. Um, and I feel like at the end of the season, Noho's probably going to die or be marginalized or somehow or in jail. And Steven Root's going to come back and take Barry back under his wing. And it's going to literally be a reboot. And, and I, I don't know. I, the, huh. I oh, boy, geez, I, I, I hope the other thing is like this just show cries out for knowing when it's done. Don't yeah. Silicon Valley yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking Silicon because Silicon Valley was never. It was a funny show, but it never tried to be more than what it is. And mm-hmm. Barry is successfully being more than what it is. Yeah, and I think it'd be a damn shame if they just found the way to keep this on a perpetual treadmill. Plus, it just get ridiculous. Like how many yeah. bodies? Can, how many different drug cartels? And, yeah, can single handedly yeah. be wiped out by one man and <laughs> right. dropping all these bodies? And and it's not like uh, this is Snoop and Chris who are doing it nice and quiet and putting the bodies in a vacant. We're no like these are pretty big public splashy DNA everywhere yeah. kind of things. That's that's the thing. Every time Barry kills, uh-huh. he puts another nail in his coffin. Like yeah. you can't you can't kill to wrap this thing up because then the kills just point back at you again. Like. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's killed this person who's very close to his acting class. Oh, well, now he's killed a cop who's also very close to his acting class and part of this investigation. Uh, what's he going to do? Kill this cop's partner when yeah. the, the partner comes snooping? And then, like, who picks up that investigation? And it all points back to Barry eventually. You know, the other interest, the, uh, the, uh, I guess the other interesting thing is like you made this com- com- comparison to Breaking Bad, which was also kind of initially a dark comedy. Oh, yeah. But I feel like at some point there's a fork in the road and you got to decide, are you going to be a comedy or a drama? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't see Barry ending as a comedy. Like if Barry just gets <laughs> no. away with this shit, uh-huh. um, they'd have to do a lot of massive flashback tracking to justify that, you know, but even if Barry is a truly innocent person who's been pushed into this, like I keep coming back to killing Janice is fucking evil and killing his, his one of his friends that he roped into this adventure, didn't know what he's getting into. Um, killing this guy with a wife and kids that's fucking amoral and evil too mm-hmm. so there's no way this guy can get away karmically <laughs> it doesn't seem like unless you turn it yeah. into a wicked black comedy and the joke is what, what, what Barry needs to do is just come to grips with what he is right? and then he can be this true monster and I guess you could find some kind of dark comedy out of that like kill like mm-hmm. what what's that look like him killing his girlfriend him killing uh, his his acting coach, him killing. The but cat. but it's tough when the heart of the show is Barry because yeah. you well, would... you need Barry to be at least appealing to audiences. If right. not if not like likable, then at least understandable. And right. I I don't feel like going down that route would make Barry understandable. But it turned him into a truly evil monster. But that's the that's what I'm saying. That would be a, your end game. Yeah, like that's the season. I mean, that's they the do that roughly finale. with Walter White. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. There, there's a point where I, the, the eternal question is, where did you lose? Walter White, like, where did you lose yeah. the sympathy and the thread with him? The answer is from episode one <laughs> right. to I'm still on Walter White. Yeah, like you, you're never going to get uh, uh, everyone to agree. But I think that's the challenges that the show has. I think uh-huh. they're up to it. I just like I, I just don't want to see five seasons of Barry. I mean, I do. Yeah. I, if if it's good, if it's good. if it's good, but like I don't want to see three. I want to. I don't want to see two and a half good seasons of Barry and two and a half increasing the depressive, yeah. lower rating. Uh, lower common denominator stuff until it just gets canceled. So, and, you know, I don't know. Got a new guy running HBO. We'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, and I, I have immense faith in Bill Hader. Um, you this know, guy's funny. Say, say what you want about uh, Alec Berg and, and Silicon Valley mm-hmm. going going sort of down the tubes a little bit. Uh, but Bill Hader, 
right now is crushing it. Yes. And I was not a Bill Hader fan until maybe like he did this stuff with Fred Armisen and Documentary Doc Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like he started to come back on my radar and then he did Barry and I'm like, okay, this guy yeah. knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's got something more than just like, I'm going to make a few jokes on SNL and then mm-hmm. go be that, go be Adam Sandler for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah, and I, I'm guessing, I'm wondering if the... Now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if the British, the, the problem I had with the British accent wasn't so much, it wasn't a funny intrinsically scene. It's just, I don't think Barry can be that funny anymore. Like he, like, it, like it, it felt feels, like he was a little too happy in it those It feels inappropriately like, Saturday Night Live for yeah. the, what they've already taken it through. Like right. he can definitely be, um, like he's funny when he's obtuse and not understanding, like constantly forgetting that everyone else in his class is... If if they're happy about doing it all, it's like in the way like wearing a black armband and like I'm doing this for the coach thing. Right. They're not doing it just because some like show it, it's and him constantly forgetting about like the the emotional tone of the room, which kind of makes me think he's he's either he's 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 either sociopathic or on the spec or he's, there's some kind of uh, some kind of tra- trauma that's that's keeping these connections being made. But he mm-hmm. clearly doesn't get how people emotionally process events. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. But it, that's the thing. A lot of the characters, like Noho's, kind of got the same thing. The gap <laughs> between who he thinks he is in his heart oh, and who yeah. he actually is. Mm-hmm. It's just so funny when he's dealing with his uncle, giving him the death threat, and he's just kind of like, "Oh man, I'm just so like this is like so bum. I'm, I'm so it's yeah. Like, it's it's almost like he's the guy saying, I, I hey, I wasn't able to get you your favorite birthday present. Not like <laughs> right. I'm going to kill you. You know. Uh huh. But that's uh, no, great. He's yeah, he's the best. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Barry? Nah, that's it. All right. Well, then I'm going to kick Jim out and invite Cecily into the studio so that we can talk about American Gods. Before we get to American Gods, I just want to tell you about a little thing we like to cu- we like to club call Bald Move. Uh, a little thing like we like to call Club Bald Move. <laughs> no, no, we're doing it. We're doing it. Uh, this is how we are supported around here. This is how we do all the different shows. This is how we do show, look, look, great big shows and in-depth coverage like Game of Thrones and little mm-hmm. little small shows that hardly anybody are watching, but we think that they tickle our fancy like Gods of Thrones. All are financed by our listeners' generous support at club.baldmove.com. And this isn't just altruism. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. This is like uh, this is like you know when you're going down on an airplane and an oxygen mask comes off. Oh, I've gone down on an airplane. Before. Sure, we want you to put the mask on our face so we can keep <laughs> podcasting. But you, we know you need to put that mask on your face. Save yourself first. Save yourself first. We we got gotcha. you. We got the savings. We got we got your ad free feeds. We got your VIP access to forums. We got exclusive bonus audio and video content. Uh, that are exclusive to club members, such as uh, our, our first-run movie reviews and Lunch with Jim and Aaron and Quip and a bunch of other features, uh, like the upcoming Super Serious Film Fest Fantasy mm-hmm. that's going to be during Game of Thrones Ooh. season. Uh, all that and more can be had. Years and years of bonus content at club.baldmove.com. You can try a lot of those free features for free, and you Ooh. can get a free 30-day trial just by signing uh, up at ooh. club.baldmove.com. Ah, all right, let's seize this podcast by the ass before she finds a new dance partner. <laughs> we better do that. Uh, hey, Cecily, how's it going? Good. Are you ready Glad to, to be here? Are you ready to give me your opinion of American Gods episode two hundred four, the greatest story ever told? Was it the greatest story ever told? Well, I tell you what, um, I very much like money, enjoy profit, so it doesn't come for free. I need you to give me your opinion right back. I like the season. I don't care what people are saying. Yeah. Or what critics have said. I've tried to avoid reading any of that. Um, 
You don't need that negativity in your life. Right, exactly. Or any more of it. I know I read a bunch of it before the season got started. What do you think? I agree. In fact, I'm going to stop even talking about that aspect of it until the show. Because here's the thing. I understand what people are saying, and there is a lot of, like, hot nonsense going on. Oh, I mean, this is not the most solid story I've ever... This is not the greatest story ever told, but so but to I feel but I feel like a lot of this stuff works on like a like an emotional or symbolic kind of level, the way probably Neil Gaiman uh, intends it to. I'm less critical of things like the leftovers and Young Pope and and this show when it's dealing about spirituality and God and faith because those are all kind of fantastical concepts to me, and uh, you kind of need to tell these kind of weird stories to, to do them justice, to kind of match the inscrutability of the gods. So I don't know that's me making an excuse for the show, or that's just me really digging on what this thing's laying down. But No, I agree. I love it. Right. I, I think it's such... I think they're all having really interesting conversations, and I think the representations of each of their... You know, trying, trying to understand their powers and what they represent and who they are is is interesting. I still don't have a peg on Mr. World. So my my take on Mr. World is that he's everybody's kind of collective fear and dread of the man, whether that is in the form of conspiracy theories or just govern you know, oppressive government Aurelian oversight or or whatever. Um because, you know, gods are worshipped, yes, but I don't I, I feel like gods are also feared. You know, you can like like I don't think Chernobog is prayed to for supplication i think it's more of like you know do whatever we do whatever lucky charm we need to keep these type of guys away and that's what kind of gives him his power and that's why his power feels more villainous than i suppose odin um because you, oh, you get the idea that mr world doesn't give a shit about any personal person in humanity whereas odin if you're his follower and you please him you make the right sacrifices he might give a shit the the episode makes that comparison itself where uh odin says i'm going to win because people, uh, people like me more than they like you, and then Mr. Oh, World yeah, that comes was going to be the next thing I said. Is he says I, I prefer to be feared. I think you're seeing like the weaknesses of the new gods, and that they are completely, un- it's kind of their strength and the weakness are completely unbeholden to tradition or having anything as sacred. Like fucking old media, who gives a shit? It's new media. Technology boys not producing for me. I'm going to kill him and probably force him to resurrect into something that's bigger and better in the next evolution of that thing. Like, there's no... It, it feels like a criminal enterprise. There's no camaraderie or or fraternity there. It's all, you know, competition. And there is that in the old gods, too. But, like, when their backs are against the wall, it seems like they want to kind of collaborate. Um, although there's certainly fractions there, too. What right. were you, you going to say about Technology Boy? No, what do you think happened to him? I think that he's going to go like Mr. World is incredibly impressed with new media and that technology boy is kind of stagnated. And I, man, they're they're telling these things so metaphorically like no one no one worships technology. Now. I don't quite understand it because it's almost like the point is like saying no one really worships technology. It's all about like information because technology boy when he was saying hey you don't need cameras anymore you don't need physical surveillance you don't need pieces of technology you actually have all this information on the internet all this advertising all this you know you still need the technology and the smartphones and the google glass but that's no longer the point you know like people are in love with the data and what you can do with it like when uh, so like like when new media came and kissed the screen and all this like data analysis shit or whatever the fuck that's supposed to learning algorithms kind of came to life. You can see that 
you know, like like Mr. World says, this guy, the, the technology boy was about to be in love with your Apple, your Macintosh, right? Uh, whatever technology boy is going to be in the future is going to be about being in love with the products that these things make. I don't know. But that doesn't really, like I said, that doesn't literally make much sense. But is it, is that, because I don't think that was the, the, did we ever get the name of the kid that we saw growing up throughout the episode? I think he's referred to, um, he's credited as the CEO. Okay. We never... It, I, it wasn't so much about physical devices with him, was it? Well, I guess, no, you're right. That that, that proves the point. Yeah. It was uh, data, information, and technology were one and the same, and now... They're starting to become divorced, but again, that does... Because right. you're, you're right, like, Technology Boys correctly states, we need each other. We're nothing without each other. So, I don't know. I, I read this interview by Neil Gaiman where he was saying that, like, you know, they've always suggested that Technology Boy was, like, originally telegraph boy and then he became telephone boy and then he became television boy and then he became technology boy like he kind of like these gods morph and emerge and change of so like i think he's not dead so much as like i like i said i think mr world saw how rockin new media was and how much more effective she is in this new world um and that he wants technology boy to to upgrade too because he's obsolete see i was wondering if new media just absorbed technology boy Mm. There's I don't a lot know. of like her because, like I said, I just the, got used to this little piss ant. I kind of want to stick around. Her blowing the kiss to the screen right before he gets yeah. taken, he runs off, and but that's to represent the inspiration, I mean, and right? And Mr. World said, "I retired a god mm-hmm. today." Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty final to me. Yeah, and he got two candy bars as payment. <laughs> yeah, two paybacks. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But so a lot of fans online were calling this opening scene either the birth of Technology Boy or Technology Boy's first human sacrifice. And I think I don't know about the birth of Technology Boy because like you're we're well along. Well, I guess we're that's still pretty early on. And like like we're in the early 90s in that scene. It it doesn't seem like Technology Boy is a little like he would already be on the scene. I mean, he had what was he playing in Atari? He was playing a yeah, or like a, like even just a pong machine. I think there was actually so just yeah, something that played been... pong. If people can believe that, my uncle had one of those. But is he the first one, like you said, to have some sort of sacrifice or someone to view the technology as something? I mean, like his dad said in the episode, uh, that's the way that men like him pray. Right. So it took this boy praying to technology to create the god. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but do you, I don't know. Do you think that like is it because like uh, there was a theory online that uh, you're supposed to understand that the CEO's dad killed himself after his one kind of religious experience when emotional understanding of the world was was done better by computers. Like he couldn't. I but, like I can see that interpretation there, but it seems I don't know. I don't know how convinced I am that because uh, it, it's not it. If he did kill himself, it would be cool for purposes of the story, obviously. Because that would kind of lead credence to the idea that that was like the first time that someone had sacrificed themselves to technology or for technology or, um, you know, this or even if the kid just put his dad, his computer and and his interest and hobbies ahead of his dad's love or something. That's a sacrifice. Right. Which is extra heartbreaking because you could tell it was something he was sharing with his dad and trying to find a way to connect with him. And that's what broke the father. Because I the more the more you pitch me on this idea, the more I'm I'm buying it. The other thing about the scene that I did not like is I felt like they really blew it editing this. 
um, there it, it it really made the scene of media a, a technology boy confronting the CEO uh, where he had like the seductive pitch and it looks like it was going to work and they stopped it there and then they came back and you kind of saw the wheels fall off. I wish they just connected those moments so you could actually see uh, seen it because uh, you could actually see it happen in real time because I felt it had a lot of its energy kind of dissipated and it made it a lot more confusing and ambiguous, which I don't know, maybe that's what they're going for. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I think it worked. I mean, not worked so much as I understood that it was meant to just say that this was a really desperate, I didn't think it was a seductive pitch at the beginning at all. Really? I think it was more like a, I mean, it was definitely time to put childish things away yeah. for this, this CEO. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I was going to say that. young man, but he's an adult now. And he's moved on, and that's what made me think that new media kind of absorbed Technology Boy because there seems to be something new that he's working with on this camera or on this um, screen there, and that's going to be the future of. Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of like it's representing godliness. It's representing like the facial recognition, like all the things he tricked off, like all the ways that you can track people without using cameras, like you can just track their digital footprints everywhere, and they do they they let you do it, you know. Yeah, the the intersection of art and science is incredible. Yeah. Um, so why the metronome at the end? Is that just like a little flourish? Um, is it supposed to mean something? Time's up. Time's up? I don't know. Song, tempo's The world's over. out of sync. It it would have been more effective if something big <laughs> had just happened. The pacing from here on out in the season is going to be fucked. <laughs> yeah, just not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's interesting little uh, kind of that's the beginning and ending of the episode. Do you want to talk about Shadow's arc? Yes. Because he's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, not much of it I still care about. But he did Odin, get raped by a cat. He did get. Well, I don't know. I feel like there was there was some sort of consent consent given. He didn't uh, say I don't want to. He said my wife will kill you. And then she says just let it happen. And he did. Mm. definitely not enthusiastic consent yeah that's a gray area and like you know bast shouldn't be surprised if she catches a couple rape charges she going carrying on like that <laughs> right so as uh, a good cat-like woman though i it's uncanny how cat-like this woman looks like i know she did the cat eyes, like the egyptian cat eyes makeup which is halfway there but like the way her like eyebrows and nose come together it's very feline yeah and her mouth is, yeah. yeah and the whiskers yeah, <laughs> uh, and the way she constantly groomed herself and and licked between her legs, it's I, I yeah no um, it's the tabby funny. pouch looks so much different on a human than you think. Hilarious. The so I thought it was you noticed something interesting, and I'm not sure if this is just a production glitch, right? But when Shadow gets up out of bed in the morning and goes to stand in front of the full length mirror, gives he's us looking the, at the, gives us the full moon. Yeah, it gives us the full moon. And you could see the scratches on his back and his chest, and then they do the cat walks away so that I, I think they can just give us an egregious shot of uh, Ricky Whittle's ass. Mm -hmm. But maybe they forgot because they got stuck looking at his butt, too. Mm -hmm. They forgot to put the scratches on his chest or his back. I didn't see them. Did you see them there? No. Do you think that was intentional? I I don't know whether you can only see them in a mirror or you can't like, you know, it's like some kind of reverse vampire logic or you're supposed to understand that she cured him or like like left the physical like Wouldn't pulled been, the physical traces from him. It would have been more effective if they had showed us where the wounds on his body were and how oh. they are now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because all, all, the, all the licking of his wounds. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm assuming that just instantly healed him, right? 
No, why wouldn't you show that in, on the screen? I don't know. You know, like you have for every other magically healing wound that you've yeah. seen a vampire or a werewolf take, you know? Yeah. Just slowly reform after she licks it. I didn't understand what the sex power was supposed to do to refresh him so much. It makes you feel like a million bucks in the morning. Do you know anything about this Egyptian god? Uh, so, oh yeah, I actually did look up some information about Bast. Um, Bast is an interesting god, because here's one thing about Egypt, uh, I, I harp on this on our Gods of Thrones thing last week, but, um, Egypt is unimaginably fucking old. Like, uh, a mind-boggling thought experiment is to think about Cleopatra. Uh-huh. She's actually more contemporary to the moon landings than she is to the pyramids in Egypt, the pyramids of Giza. Yeah. Uh, that happened like 3,000 years before she was born. Versus... Or the iPhone being invented. Yeah, or the iPhone. It's, like, it's fucking insane to think of how old Egypt is. And this is a god who actually transformed in very ancient Egypt. This was a like a lion, lioness-headed god, and it was a ferocious like warrior protector god. Um, and over time, as Egypt evolved in its culture and religion, it turned into... Uh, and as as cats became popular in Egypt, it turned into a god represented by a cat head. Um, and they, she was, uh, turned into like a more fertility God and they thought maybe that's because, you know, cats are prolific or I don't know. Um, Just so like- yeah, she's like, uh, uh, and, and I wonder if they'll play with the fact of her having those dual aspects later on in the season, which would be kind of cool. She transforms into a fierce, uh, lion God lady. Why doesn't she hang out as a human? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I mean, if you could be a cat all day, wouldn't you? <laughs> Yeah, I guess I wouldn't make for an awkward breakfast after you had the healing sex. Right, right. It's like, I don't want to talk to him. I want yours out. Yours out. I did like how um, how that cat, the cat actor, cat uh-huh. actor, uh-huh. I'll make it work somehow. I liked how they, how that cat was just really scared of Odin's hat. And he, when he bent down to tie his shoe, I just like to see what the cat was doing. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's very much just a real cat. That I would like to watch it and like prescribe the hey, human personality to that cat was that cat was a cot. god that cat was a god cat was a god. There the other, other interesting this is that um, <laughs> Shadow meets Thoth or talks to Thoth again and he opines that your wife is a different person because oh. death changes you. Okay, sure, whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, sure. yeah, yeah, fine. Don't yeah yeah yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I'm actually on own side about this one. Don't want to argue. Don't don't want to argue about any of these these points too much. Uh, so Odin says that the destination is St. Louis. They're gonna go after some big money. Uh, who the god the god of money is untouchable and a stock never falls. And Shadow brings up the whole tired. Well, money's just a piece of paper. It's not worth anything. And uh, Mister Wednesday blows his mind by saying, Nah. Uh, the whole world believes this. The whole world loves it, and it's the it's the greatest story ever told. Um, there we go. Said the title of the episode. Ding, said the title ding, of the ding. episode. I think. Uh, I mean, this is kind of neat, and I love the fact that the Girl Scouts show up selling candy, and they're kind of like the gatekeepers to money. And their yes. sashes are all like uh, dollar bills or those Illuminati pyramids yeah. or the euro sign, Bitcoin. I think I, there's a whole bunch of different denominations on their belts. Like but, a patch for every kind of money. Right. Currency. And I can't remember if we mentioned this, but they're selling the candy they're selling these bars called Payback, <laughs> which it seems like that. Um, it seems to me that this money guy is kind of like the Iron Bank of Bravos and Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. that he can be a kingmaker and that, you know, if he swings the power of money behind either of the factions it's just going to be an insurmountable advantage right so he's like a big broker of power and in, 
it seems like that Mr. World was able to secure his neutrality in the war to come, which seems like it was a, a win for him. Yeah, I wonder why he wanted to come visit him anyway. Do you think he had business with money or just because of the retiring no. of Technology Boy, it summoned the... I think they're all related. Cause I, cause so, like, I'm trying to think... Um, so, New Gods versus Old Gods. I feel like the Mr. World thinks that they're, like, 50% more powerful than the Old Gods. But if money was on the Old God's side, then they would actually be more powerful than him. So, like, he can win just by keeping money out, where Odin can only win if by he gets money in. Um, now... I want to float something. I don't. I haven't seen this discussed on Reddit. This might be an original theory, but if not, I mean, it's it's not. It's it's super, it's something super obvious to discuss. Um, money, you know, said, "Hey, you guys are starting a war, and you're emotional about it, and these aren't safe investments, and I'm going to keep my money out of this war." But he puts a bunch of money on the table to pay for his coffee and pie in this alternate dimension. Uh-huh. That money is still there in the real world. Even though everything as, as, as other aspect of the money world goes away, and Odin scoops it into his hat, and I think, of course, you know, I was wrong on my other bomb theory that that that, that killing Zoya was uh, actually a false flag. But I wonder if you're supposed to understand that money is actually paying Mister Wednesday under the table or over, over the, the table, table in this case. I don't. I like it. I think that's that's a great theory. I don't subscribe to it personally. Uh, I think it was just to show kind of like how desperate he was that mm. he would steal a waitress's tip. Yeah, <laughs> it could be that too. It could be that too. He's uh, got he's he's an asshole, but he's got style. Yeah, but even still, I wonder if there's a little bit of but but yeah, in that hmm, yeah, I hmm, I don't know. I think there's something to that. But then again, I thought that uh, Odin uh, hired the killer to kill the old. Old Star God himself, and I was clearly wrong about that. Not off the table yet. I think it's off the table. I think it's way off the table. Mr. Mr. World, World and took... Mr. Wednesday could be working together against all of the other gods. Yeah, or I could see, like, <laughs> okay. Put anything past them. All right, all right. I'm glad. I wasn't going to mention this because I was ashamed and embarrassed, but now that you've propped me up a little bit, I'm going to run with it. Because I haven't really let it oh, die in my heart. My heart of hearts. My heart of hearts, I'm thinking, okay, okay. I'm four, I'm four dimensional chess here. Uh, uh, Mr. Wednesday, I, I ordered the hit, but I accused Mr. World to th- make him think that I think that he did it, and he takes credit because to do otherwise would appear weak. Right. Well, why not take credit for something you didn't do if it, you know, like you're already going to war with this guy, so like, why not? Right, exactly. That's ludicrous. I don't actually believe it, but I kind of do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And this is a crazy I, show, so who knows? I'm in. I'm here for it. Um, I also like the idea that Shadow Moon is like a completely fictitious, uh, off the grid, no credit having persona. And yes. like Odin's like, God damn it, money hates that. And they, it really does, man. It really does. You're not a person in this fucking country until you get some credit established. Did you notice that the candy, the, the candy Girl Scouts said that that's not the name on his birth certificate? Yeah, no, I is said that he's a completely. Somehow? It must be. Does he know the name that's on his birth certificate? Well, his mom called him Shadow, but he was a late teen. So, like, and then I just really get the idea that she had she had a mission for him. Right. And, like, is keeping him completely off the grid part of that mission? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But then again, Odin did steal his mother last episode. 
Yeah, also Odin, you know, we've been we've realized this for a long time, but he's played coy about uh, you know, Shadow and what he needs him for and Shadow kind of calls him out. He's like, "Look, I don't cuz Odin says the reason I picked you is because you absolutely have no you're like a null, you're like a neutron. You have no charge, you have nothing that would miss you, you have nothing and no attachments, you have no value, you're just Not like an empty vessel." Or the next. Yeah, no, it's like a really delicious piece of snack, uh, uh, SmackDown, and Shadow kind of smirks and says, yeah, that's not it. I don't know why you need me, but I know you need me, and you need me bad. Kind of got sexually charged there, honestly, with that kind of dialogue. Between you uh, and, and the TV? No, between Shadow and Mr. Wednesday. You but thought yes. that was a sexual charge? No, I'm, t- I'm a joke. It's just a joke. <laughs> I'm a joke. It's just a yoke. It's just a yoke, y'all. Um, okay. Uh, can we talk about the fact that I love William Sanderson as money? Yes. Uh, Let's of talk True about Blood, it. Deadwood, and Newhart fame. Uh, he's got this kind of, um, he's kind of got this basic sha- shabby, uh, uh, kind of goofball vibe, but he dresses like a dandy. I, that, that feels like a that feels like like a perfect representation of money for some reason. What does dandy mean to you? I don't. I don't like spiffy. Spiffy, huh? Dandy yeah, probably has it. an unfortunate and feminine context that I'm probably like aware of, but not consciously, and I'm probably going to feel bad about it. But if so, I apologize. I just spin it because you're, I... you're like a fancy lad. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for answering my question with too many words. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, like he spends too much money to look like a cowboy, or maybe he's just a rich enough cowboy that he could afford all of the nice clothes. That's yeah, that's all. But I was like, I, I don't know because maybe they're not tailored, or maybe the guy's just got a goofy body. I, I just felt like there's something shabby, all of the above. something shabby about the ramshackle about the him. way his skin just hangs about his face, and or his maybe hair I just, is just I just there. I just see he, I just see uh, Larry, Daryl, and Daryl every time I I see him or hear him talk. Um. That might be an unfortunate fact for him. Uh, okay. I want to talk about the African-American God Caucus and American Gods because I thought... They some don't of the like sh- African-American. I thought some of the shit that they got up to this episode was really, really cool. Um, yes. I love Ananzi's monologue about the cult of slavery. And I don't know if these stats, I honestly don't know if these stats are true. It wouldn't shock me. But mm. the stat of every 30 seconds, you know, a brown woman is snatched and trafficked. Like that there is still, and parts of the world, slavery, especially sexually, sexual slavery and trafficking being practiced. Right. And I thought it was interesting because the other gods, like, you know, it's like, why is Ananzi the only one that's like really worked up about this? But then I started thinking about it that, you know, Toth or Thoth, um, he had that really interesting speech in the beginning of the episode where he goes, you know, we didn't even see, we didn't even know we were black. We were like people of denial. Sure. Egyptians. Yes. Dark complected, but black colored the, and or col- yeah, colored. Um, and I think it's interesting because that's something that I kind of learned from uh, Anthony when we were researching the Gods of Thrones books is that that. The idea of people separated by the color of their skin uh-huh. is a fairly recent, like in the last few hundred years, invention that people were separated by their class. People were separated by, uh, you know, like the, where like, they like, came from. Yeah, but like you know, it wouldn't be. Um, it, it was is more like like caste and class separations than it was like oh well, there's no way that a black man could ever be a king or something like that. 
so like thoughts not but it's not just that like the fact that he kind of is disconnected from the struggle in the way that we know Anansi uh, and Anansi isn't but like he's also the god of death so like he said in this episode it doesn't matter what happens all men lie before me in the end anyway for judgment so like it's all cool everything works out cosmically and Bilquist is a god of love so like these struggles like don't like they're they're like more intellectually or cerebral or they, the other gods are he's having a hard time getting them on board. But it does seem like he got some more with Billquist. 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 Yes, I think so. He she seems pretty convinced at the end, mm-hmm. especially her interactions with this Ruby Goodchild. She's radicalizing this this uh, Christian. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm on board too. Whatever she has, I'm or whatever she's selling, I I I I need payback. <laughs> no, it is interesting because you know uh, Jesus in the Bible was a very dynamic figure. You know, he wasn't all just love and humility and forgiveness. He was also about braiding a homemade whip and whipping some fools out of his father's temple and calling out uh, people who were uh, intermixing uh, polit- or politics and religion and uh, and and money and greed and. Uh, the the point she made about he didn't die for your sins, he was killed by the powerful that he angered um, was really powerful. It seems like she's now solidly on the old old God side and and, and kind of like the fire and no peace and, and, and let's take what's ours from uh, a side of uh, an Anansi. Right. I thought... Anansi. An- Anansi. Anansi. I found it hard just, to say. Just Anansi. Mr. Nancy. Anansi. Remember Mr. Nancy? Mr. Nancy. Just Anansi. let it roll off your tongue. Yeah, exactly like that. Uh, one other final point I thought was interesting in the episode is we found out a little bit more about Mama G and that she owns or uh, is involved in the ownership of over half the ho- motels and hotels in America. Motel America? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Motel America. I thought it was and the fact that she works at them all because she's got to hustle because the, her line of like, you think America was eager to hand over the money to the huddled masses? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I also so Odin reminds her of like I like I still remember when you killed Raktab Raktabija. Uh, I probably butchered that pronunciation. And I looked them up, and this is like fucking metal. Okay. Because Raktab Raktabija was a demon who had this uh, special feature to him that whenever a drop of his blood would fall to a ground, he would clone himself. So he's kind of like that uh, weird hound of the thousand eyes or whatever from the first Hellboy movie. Or like the snake that keeps growing heads. Yeah, the Hydra. Yeah. Um, so there's this collection of Hindu goddesses who were trying to do battle with this uh, demon at one point. And every time they shed his blood, there just became more and more of them. And they were dealing with hundreds of this guy. And they were about to lose. And then Kali joined battle, which is Mama G. And she has this long, like snake-like tongue. And as the goddesses would wound this demon, she would snake her tongue all over his body, lapping up the blood before it hit the ground. Oh, wow. And then with her giant gaping mouth with gnashing teeth, she would swallow the babies as fast as they or the the, the mini rad uh, rack tabijas as fast as they could form. Oh, my God. And you should look at some of the art representing this shit. It is, like I said, full on heavy metal. So... I hope, I really hope we get to see some of these gods cut loose more than just throw a thunderbolt or yes. two. Because uh, like some of this stuff is like, I can't imagine what that imagery would kind of look like if it was uh, represented on, on the show. <laughs> it seems so cool. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to fuck with the uh, goddess Kali. And I guess uh, uh, going further, like after that, uh, she was so well, like in a berserker rage that she started to kill all of creation. 
and Lord Shiva had to come off his heavenly throne and literally throw his body in her path to kind of like gang tackle her, and she felt bad for kicking him in the belly, and then wow, then, and then uh, what happened? Then then stopped stopped killing all of creation. Oh, so well, yeah, I can imagine that kind of mama happy that kind of bloodlust being a. Uh, being something hard to control. Yeah, when you when you're licking, I mean, you're drinking when, demons. When you're blood. licking demon blood right from the source for God knows how many days and nights of constant God battle. Oh, we've all been there. Oh, who hasn't? Who had not enough Snicker bars in the world nope. to satisfy in that that situation? <laughs> uh, that's all I got to talk about the episode. Do you have anything more that you want to? You have other points? I bet you do. No. Well, okay. One more thing, and I wasn't going to say this. Hmm. Ruby Gold Gold. Gold child's good child, whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. What is she wearing? Why did they make the unfortunate choice to put that pearl shirt on her and then weave that cross through it? It felt a gold cross. It at that. felt like watching a game of plinko that was just like skipping like a record. Yes, like the chains were just wiggling and like, but they couldn't ever get free. It's just like this weird kinetic. I couldn't, I, I couldn't stop watching it. It's so fucking distracting. So distracting. Especially since it's... It's eye-catching, but in the worst kind of right, way. Right, the big gold cross, but the silvery white of the pearls. It's like, put the shirt on, see that it doesn't really look great, and then give her a new shirt. It's like it's like a theater production. Yes. Is that what the actress showed up in? Yeah. And you had to work with what... We'll put a long, larger acting, chain asking, so it can hang around all that, maybe? Or a shorter chain so it hangs above the neckline and it doesn't intermix with the pearls. I yeah. don't know. Get a silver cross? Yeah. Here we go. Just throwing out ideas, but that was... That's it. That was my last rant of the evening. Yeah, I did not like. Well, not the, of the evening. I've got. I did not like the plinko machine. 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 The plinko machine. Uh, okay, that's it. Uh, we didn't have a lot of feedback this week, and we yeah. had even less time to process it. Uh, but we will be um, again. I'm not promising to come back every week to talk about American gods. You know, foolish mortals. <laughs> To take the gods of podcast promise, <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. As long as we're as long as we're digging it, and we have the time. We are going to check in here on uh, Bald Mood TV. So if you would like to send us feedback oh, on Gods it. of Thrones, you have some takes on our takes. If uh, you want to send us any of your favorite or even your own personal collie artwork on the battlefield, TV at baldmove.com. If you would like to draw yourself as a cat <laughs> goddess, <laughs> yeah. Send your eight and a half by eleven printer paper with crayon to TV at baldmove.com. <laughs> oh, here's, and, a, here's and a fun we, steampunk version. And we will sort through them and, and rate them and tell you which ones <laughs> you like best. Yes. Which one would be our best? Oh my god, this is actually a crayon drawing. Okay. We gotta stop this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're, they're flying in at us already. Holy yeah, they shit. Are. Uh or you can also get in, participate on the convers- with the conversation at forums on our forums. Forums. Forums, forums, forums.baldmove.com. All the forums, <laughs> forums that are fit, forums, forums. The fit the form. <laughs> we'll be back next week with another Bald Move TV. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. See ya.